This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, today I have a very special treat for you. Now, what would that treat be? Well, I get to talk to two of my favorite people today, Corey Blake and Jen Georgette from Roundtables Companies. And I have to tell you, I'm actually going through their storytelling course right now, which is amazing. So we might actually talk a little bit about that too. But as I said, these are two of my favorite people, two of the most authentic people that I know. And I wanted to bring them on because there's a lot that you can learn from what we're going to talk about today. Plus, just knowing the three of us, we're going to have a great time. There's going to be a lot of laughter. So whatever you do, hang around because here comes that episode. You are jamming with Jason Mefford, where you hear inspiring interviews with some amazing people. Some are famous, some may seem ordinary, and they are all doing extraordinary things to positively change the world. Sometimes it's just you and me having an intimate and authentic conversation about how you can change the world around you and rewrite the story of your life by being more authentic, accepting and loving yourself more, and spreading love to others. Since really, all you need is love. And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. We discuss all aspects of self-improvement, growth, and so much more. Great content, insightful advice that's practical and helpful to anyone that listens. You're always eager to come back for more and share with your friends and family since you learn something in every episode. So sit back and enjoy the easy listening while you feel seen and heard in this informative, authentic, and entertaining podcast. Now, let's roll that beautiful podcast footage. All right, Corey and Jen, welcome, welcome, welcome today. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Good to be here. I know, see, we're, we're smiling and laughing already because I know we're going to have a great time today. Well, what the audience doesn't know is that we've been just making each other laugh for a half hour already. Like, <laughs> I know we've been ta- we've been talking in the green room for a half an hour, and we're like, "Oh, we got to hit record. We got to hit record." So, um, but yeah, welcome, 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 welcome to all of you. Um, you know, I, I I said I said before, you you two are some of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I met Corey several years ago. He spoke at a conference that I went to. Thought he was a cool dude then still think he's a cool dude today but even cooler than Corey is Jen who I got to meet so (laughs) all right so so I think it's 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 always kind of fun just to understand some origin stories right so I know the company that you guys have is doing some really cool things so maybe just kind of start us off let us know a little bit about kind of the origin story how did this come about 
um, what are you guys doing? Kind of where are you going in the future? Because I think what what this is going to do is it's going to help us kind of dig in a little bit, um, you know, about being able to be more authentic, more vulnerable, which I know is a word that you guys use a lot as well. So, yeah. All right. I, so, Jen, I can kick off for sure. So, um, when the pandemic happened like the rest of the world roundtable companies need to shift gears and one of the the beautiful things that we've always done is we we don't just help people with their stories but we help them uncover the story behind their stories there's always a, a deep personal passion behind any time we share a story we're not always aware of that um aware of that passion so historically that's what we had been doing we'd have clients and we'd work with them for usually about a year or so and help excavate if you will unearth that great story within them and then the pandemic comes along and we have to shift gears a little bit and Corey at that time was working with a company that um, needed very specific leadership if you will in terms of storytelling and helping to pull stories out of people in a really short period of time so he had been going down and spending time with that company and leading those teams through um, storytelling techniques and all of this really amazing work on impactful questions and listening and then we had to put it into a course form a virtual form when he couldn't travel anymore so he created the team, created this brilliant, brilliant storytelling course. We would meet virtually with the teams while they were doing the self-guided course. And then I want to say it was about summer 2021. We felt extremely passionate about the results we were getting. <clears throat> well, when I say that, I should say we were very passionate about the results that we were seeing in not just the teams with them as individuals and how they were engaging with each other in their lives, the people around them, and decided that it would be a beautiful contribution and service to the world to try to create this same course for the public as well. So um, wanting to offer it to individuals who wanted to come together in community, but also if there was other corporate teams that wanted to come together and use it as a tool to build trust and vulnerability and culture and community within these workplaces that were changing so rapidly and had this new configuration that everyone had to adapt to. How do you still feel bonded to people when you're working from your home? So that is a little bit of the origin story. We ended up launching our first public course in December. We started it in January, they have just graduated. Um, we have our, our new class, which you're in, Jason, right now. You guys are in the trenches of all of that. And yeah, we have a bunch of other courses coming later in the year. We have a few corporate courses happening as well. And it's been a wild ride. Well, it's exciting. And I know, you know, because when, when I first met Corey, it was probably four, four years ago, uh, the conference that I went to, it was, it was the first time that I heard somebody use the term container. We're gonna kind of create a container. And at first that that concept was a little off on me. It's like, what the fuck is a container, right? It's like you put milk in it or whatever else, right? 
but but what I what I realized, you know, because I saw Corey do there, and I've seen you do this in in the course as well, is is making breaking down some of the those those barriers and actually helping people to trust each other to feel okay being vulnerable which is something that as humans you know right now it's it's always like no we we're we're, we're the best i'm the greatest right kind of a thing but of actually creating that community and doing a lot of different things that you've done to be able to to make people feel safe and connected that way and so maybe we can we can talk a little bit about that because like you said it's it's something that we we all need um and and in fact you know you're you're helping companies to do that so so what are some of the things that we're learning or some of the things that you're doing so everybody that's listening can also uh you know be able to do that with other people around them as well yeah so Corey sums it up really really well when he says it's not very often that we can have an unsafe experience in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And I believe really strongly that that's what doing this kind of work in community is really about. Um, we talk often about the fact that no one can do the work for you, but you don't need to do it alone. Mm-hmm. So one of the really beautiful things that we infuse within our storytelling courses, but also within like our coaching, when we work with writers, anytime we do books, one of the core values of what we do is creating psychological safety. And we have three agreements that we adhere to in order to kind of create that container. So one of them is not to judge, no judgment. And that's hard. Like as humans, that's just a fundamentally challenging thing to do because it's what we default to, right? It's an internal mechanism that just happens. So having to be very intentional and aware and stepping outside of our judgment to just truly hold space for somebody, no fixing. Um, Again, as humans, we want to be helpful, right? We want to come in and find solutions to problems. But a lot of the time, that's not really what people need. And also when we fix, what we're doing is we're telling someone that they can't handle it on their own. We're telling somebody that their feelings are too big for them. So let me come in and help out and let me manage the situation for you. And most often people just need a safe place to land. They just need somewhere to put their story. And the last piece of the puzzle for us is presence. And that is an exceptionally difficult thing to do right now with all of the devices, all of the things around us that can pull our attention at all times. So we try to, you know, if we're, um, if we're sharing stories within the story hero, the storytelling course, we specifically ask that people let spouses or children know, try not to come into the into the room at that time, please turn off your phones, do whatever you can to truly be present because we're always trying to honor the person who is sharing their story. Yeah, and I think those are <clears throat> those are three things that are they're they're pretty simple, but they're harder for us to do, 
right? Yeah, because, <laughs> because, because I know, you know, I mean, the judgment thing, we can come back to that, but especially when you're talking about like the no fixing, you know, is that, you know, especially in, in a lot of relationships and typically you see it this way, you know, a man and a woman in a relationship, let's say, right. Where <clears throat> the woman will, will be sharing something. And the, and the first thing that the man wants to do is jump in and fix it. Right. Cause as men, we, we feel like, well, we're here to fix, you know, somebody's asking me for something, they must want my help and they want me to fix it. And that causes a lot of rifts in relationships when the reality is, no, I just want you to listen. I think, right. I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to hear me. And I think it sounds like, I mean, that's, everybody has, has that desire, I think. Right. Well, and I think everybody has the desire to be needed. Yeah. Right? And oftentimes we equate fixing with being needed, but it isn't always what the other person needs. And I totally get that. And like my husband and I are very similar that in that dynamic, we're similar that way. He's a fixer just in terms of how his brain works. He's an engineer, he's a problem solver, and I'm a deep feeler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to preemptively come into the conversation sometimes and just share that, okay, I'm going to unload. I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to listen to me mm-hmm. so I can set the stage ahead of time. <laughs> well, and I, and I think, you know, the no judgment is hard too, right? Because we, we, we tend to be kind of, we're, we're meaning making machines, right? So everything that we end up seeing, we, we make some judgment about. We use words like good, bad, you know, because we're, we're kind of judging. We like, we like to put everything in these little discrete categories, right? But what if those categories actually don't exist? There is no good. There is no bad, right? Um, because again, I mean, I know, you know, <laughs> one, one of the uh, videos, well, I, I can't remember if it was in, in the course or if it was the TED talk, but the TED talk is in the course too, right? You know, Corey, where you, where you were talking about vulnerability is sexy and you kind of go through and talk about, you know, like first date, whatever else, you know, I'm this person. And then you drop a couple of bombs on people and you were like, so how do you like me now? So do, do you want to go there a little bit? Because I, I think that kind of illustrates some of the the judgment, right? Because I think some people might be quick to judge because of some of the experiences that you were sharing, but really there should be no judgment. Well, judgment is, um, like you said, it's, it's inherent. We can't entirely turn it off. It's a part of our mechanism. And uh, when we can suspend it, you know, we, we tend to be kinder to ourselves while we're being kinder to right to to other people that we are potentially levying judgment against because typically i think my perception is that that when i'm if i'm if i'm judging you and i know this is somewhat of a cliche but if i'm judging you essentially i'm putting myself in the situation that you're in in the limited degree that i know it and saying i wouldn't do what you're doing and therefore what you're doing is bad or not as good as what i would do right and yet reality is right. How, how much do I really know about your situation in that moment? Minuscule amount. So whenever we can relax that, that uh, default state uh, and just lean in with curiosity instead of 
leaning back with judgment. I think we we find opportunities for really surprising, delightful connection. Like when I'm on stage and I share with people that I stole from my first employer, like I will see a very small percentage of people who essentially kind of do that lean away, like who put this guy on stage? But that's a very small number of people. Most people have the counterintuitive response of trusting me more for having shared something before they found out about it later, right? Like, because when it comes from us, when the thing that, that, that we know is judge worthy, you could say, comes from us, uh, I think we create more connective tissue as opposed to less. Well, and I think it's interesting because it's, it's, um, you know, and I want to get, jump into the story, the storytelling and stories in general here in just a minute. But I think, you know, the whole, like I said, I mean, the first time I played that vulnerability of sexy game a few years ago, it was kind of like, okay, this seems weird. Right. And here I am a dude coming in here. And I think <laughs> I got, I got paired up with some other lady in, in the audience and we were playing it. And, and afterwards, you know, she actually said, no, that is actually sexy. And I'm like, come on, you got to be kidding me. Right. And then I've been in certain group settings, you know, where, you know, again, I cry sometimes other, other people cry, other, other men cry. And I don't know how many times that's happened. And like the women in the, in the meeting are like, lighten up the chat. Like, oh, that's so, they actually use the word sexy, you know, kind of a thing. And it's like, you know, we've got like this, this male dominated, you know, we've got to be macho kind of thing, but actually sharing about ourselves, right. Which is part of our story and letting other people know that we're alike, mm-hmm. right. You might've stolen from your employee, but everybody in that room, even the people who are judging you have probably stolen something in their life. So doesn't that actually make us more relatable and more human and more likable, even when it's something that might be, you know, to, to the world might be taboo or disgusting or whatever. Right. You just, I just had my own little internal judgment thing that just got so triggered when you said employee instead of employer. And I was like, Oh my God, I'd be such a piece of shit if I stole from an employee. Oh my God. (laughs) I forgot the E on the end of that. (laughs) But that was right. Like, like, Oh, my version of the story is okay, but that one is bad. Like, yes, to me, that sounds worse, but like, <laughs> but that's just judgment, right? Like, it's just comedy. <laughs> but I, something that I just put together, Jason, that is just blowing my mind in this moment right now. Nancy Sayer, who's also in your class, yeah. was at that event playing that game the same night oh, that same you time. were. Yes, you guys were both like, I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't pieced that together. We played vulnerability of sexy with a room of like 200 people yeah. and it was so cool. It was so much fun. Everyone, like we, we group people off in groups of five or six. And, uh, and I essentially, we, we used PowerPoint slides up front with questions. So each of the groups was responding to the same cards and whatnot, but like, but it was, and then afterwards, I remember we, the, we passed around the microphone so people could talk about what it felt like to listen differently what it felt like to listen without having to respond and people were so excited to talk about how meaningful that was right that's a that's a real key piece of i think of this of of the way that we approach storytelling is is how do we how do we be with each other but also really give each other the space to be with without 
uh, being solution oriented without thinking, right? Like be, having a responsibility to the story other than just be with it. We don't get a lot of that in life. No, and, and, and what's interesting, you know, cause again, as we're sitting there talking, I mean, who knows where we're going to go? We never know where we're going to go on this, on this, but, but, you know, as, as you're sitting there and, you know, I watch a lot of movies, I read a lot of books, you know, and, and books and movies are stories, right? Written down or put on film. And if we're sitting there watching a movie, right? Like last night we watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Great show. Gave me a totally different perspective into that cultural event that I lived through, you know, and kind of watched the whole thing unfold. But we wouldn't sit there and watch a movie. We might judge as we're watching the movie, like, oh, how could you do that? But we would never try to like reach through the book or reach through the movie and, 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 and shake somebody and try to fix them, would we? But yet we do that every day when we're having, you know, live human contact when somebody's sharing their story with us. Or when they're not. <laughs> and we're or just when, overhearing or when, it somewhere, yeah. Or, right? Yeah. Right. Or you watch the Oscars, though, and then watch the entire world yep. share, well, this is what I would have done. And and vice versa and here's who's wrong and here's what this person should have done and what that person should have done in the entire time right and not to justify any parts of it but we're still seeing slices of things right and instead of asking questions about it to ourselves like instead of asking oh how might I have felt or when have I said or laughed at something inappropriate right we default to going outward and through that judgment. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting, you know, because like you said, we, we like to judge. We like to think I would never do that. Bullshit. Right. I mean, until you've, until you've gone through, because there's so many sides of the story. And I remember even as we were watching the, the show, cause I always love to watch movies and then I like Google the shit out of everything. Right. And try to find out what really <laughs> happened, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I remember actually last night I was, I was on, I was a little embarrassed even. Um, and, and I'll tell you why, because, you know, when, when the whole thing happened, you know, with, with the bakers back in the late eighties, early nineties, whenever, whenever it was, um, there's a lot of jokes about Tammy Faye. Sure. The way she, the way she looked, uh, you know, the things that they went through. I mean, the church lady skit on Saturday Night Live. I mean, I don't know. I probably, you know, cried a, or laughed a bucket of tears yeah. off of that. But then, you know, kind of being more curious last night as I'm watching the movie, understanding more about her background, who she was, the fact that, you know, Betty Boop was you know, like, I think one of her little heroes or somebody that she was trying to be like, it's like, well, that totally makes sense. And then when I see some of the things that she did, right? So like she was going against the mainstream evangelical Christian, you know, homosexuality is a sin and she was embracing people and loving people. 
and, you know, again, judging myself a little bit, which I shouldn't and let it go. But my goodness, why did I think it was funny to make fun of this woman who loved and helped so many people? And we do, right? Like I, I'll do. Say it, I, my, my, it drives my wife friggin' crazy when I lean in with curiosity and I'm like, I don't know. It makes me, it makes me wonder, right? Like, what don't we know? What, what happened between their relationship that we have absolutely no about, you know, what did they bring into this moment? You know, even, you know, you brought up Will Smith, Jen, and even him, you know, the way that he talked about, about being the protector, like he was going through, like, there's some experience that he was in the middle of that this just happened to fall, Mm -hmm. right? Like during, and, and, but, but I say some of that stuff to my wife and it, she loses her mind. She gets like, I think <laughs> we, right. Like we just, so many people in the world, they need us to have a definitive, like there's right, there's wrong. And if you're, if you're in that middle, there's like, how dare you? Oh, man. And I get, I mean, I, I get it from my <laughs> own home. It's just comedy. Like, you know, so, so she just wants me to rant with her and just say, no, he's an idiot and he's wrong. And what a jackass and he'll never work again. And like, whatever. <laughs> And I'm like, all about the gray area, yeah. like that spectrum of like what we don't see. And like, and I've had moments, right, where someone's made a joke that's inappropriate. And I cognitively know that it's not appropriate, but there's this delayed reaction. And I laugh and then I'm like, oh, that, I don't think it's actually funny, but I don't know what to do in this moment, right? Like there's these moments like the human condition just it's we're completely imperfect humans at all times trying to navigate this world with all these layers of stories of our own that we bring to the table I can't even begin to tell you how many how much my personal story of wanting to belong and feel included has impacted my behavior at any given time and it's not something I'm always proud of, but it has, it's always present and I'm always having to navigate that story and work on rewriting it and shaping it in a way that feels integral with the person I want to be. Well, it's interesting because as you said that, right, I mean, we all have our own stories, We've all had different experiences. We've created stories within ourselves. So, you know, even the three of us, even though we're, we're so aligned maybe on so many different things that we believe or values and other stuff like that, we've all had different experiences. So when we are seeing or hearing some story or something that's going on, we're all going to probably have a different reaction because we're all viewing it through different colored glasses, right? And today we all are wearing glasses, so there we go. But <laughs> colors. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's you know pe- people that have never gone through certain things may may not be able to understand them. But like you said, it's it's the layering of all of our stories too that that make a difference as to how we choose to interpret it, and that's why a lot of times the judgment happens as a result of that, because we don't have the context or we're, we're, we're bending it to fit the reality of our stories and our belief. What, what drives me so baddie is, is the, the opportunity cost 
of that judgment, right? When you, when we think about like some of my, some of the stories that fascinate me the most as an example, but I think there that that this extends into all of the little moments that happen in the world. You take the beginning of the Me Too movement, and some of the things that some of these you know celebrity men were doing. Okay, and and Louis C.K. comes to mind immediately because his is so extreme, right? But if we just cast judgment and don't ask some questions, we don't we, like we don't get to explore what I think is the most fascinating, which is like, okay, well, if what the news tells me is that the guy, forgive my language, jerks off into a potted plant, right? What were the three steps before that so that that made sense? Because as human beings, we do things that make sense to us. But like, so that means there, were, there was a whole lead up of events to where that was the thing that in that moment was to him the thing to do. Mm-hmm. When you get to those extremes, like there are, that, that's where the stories get particularly fascinating. But if we just cast judgment, we don't get, we don't get access to any of what makes us so fascinating as human beings, which is we rationalize really crazy stuff in our lives. And we've all got, you know, versions of these things that if we just cast judgment on each other, then we don't get to explore, oh, wow, how did, what were the steps that, right, storytelling wise, that you took in order to make sense of how you live your life today? Those, every little moment like that, I think, is so rich for us to explore. And we just block ourselves off from how remarkable we are as human beings, how creative we are, even when it's creative in really destructive ways or really bizarre ways or really upsetting ways, it's all still beautifully human. Well, it is. And that's, uh, and that's why, again, I mean, we're, 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 I want to jump over into the storytelling a little bit too, but I, you know, I think it probably makes sense to, to pause a little bit here too, because again, as people are listening, it's like, well, you know, this is great. Uh, you know, why am I listening to this? <laughs> well, and again, you got to read in between the lines. Because we went down a rabbit hole that I got know, to Louis No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but everything that we just talked about, right, is there's a lesson in there for everybody who's listening, right? Because again, as you listen to this, as we're talking about this, there are things that we're talking about that you can do that will make your life better, that will make other people's lives better around you, right? So we just shared some examples about, you know, ways that people have been judging or trying to fix. And, you know, we'll get into probably a little bit about presence too, right? But what if instead of, you know, I love that term, Corey, that you use leaning in versus leaning out, right? If somebody tells you something and your, your kind of physical re- response is, you feel like you got to lean back, like you got to get away, like, oh, shit, you know, Corey, Corey, you thief, you know, if you're feeling that, stop, right, pause and kind of think about why, why am I, why am I leaning back? Why am I not being curious and wanting to learn more? Because I'm just like Corey. Have I stolen before? Yes. Okay. Will I do it again? Probably, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know because I'm not in that situation, right? And I'm not, I'm not so bullheaded and pious to think that I'm never going to make another mistake in my life. Of course, I'm going to make mistakes in my life, right? But so they're just things like that again for you to be thinking about. If you're always trying to fix other people, 
maybe stop fixing people and just hear them. Right. It's interesting, Jason, actually, as you're sharing that from a psychological standpoint, what we tend to judge the most is what we also tend to believe we would have the most shame about if we did ourselves. So again, it's really just about our story that we're. Well, and if you want a real psychological bomb too, you know, is one of the things that I've heard too, that is very true is we are a mirror. The world reflects what you put out. And so typically, you know, especially if you're judging somebody, you're not really judging them. You're judging yourself and you're having that visceral feeling because of something you're embarrassed or ashamed about related to you, right? That you got to work on. It's, it's such a, it's, um, it's such a cliche that I think that it's, it's a really important highlight. We, we talk about that, right? We hear that out in the world and we all go, yeah, 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 we get that. But do we get that, right? Are we really listening? Are we really taking that in and recognizing how unkind each of us is to ourselves because it's inherent as part of the human condition? One of my favorite new questions that we, that we added to vulnerability is sexy is what, what, tell us one of the unkind things that you say to yourself. Because we all have a, a tape that plays, right? Like sometimes there's variations of it, but it's, it's, it's part of, it's part of the, the, the experience of, of being a human being. And, uh, and I, I appreciate you saying that. And I really encourage people who are listening to, to not just spit that out as I've already tasted that I get it, but like to really chew on it. And uh, I'm making that face because Jen loves when I, I bring gastrointestinal um, language into uh, a conversation. <laughs> it's very gestalty to chew it, to digest it, to be nourished by it, to really consider um, right when here's my experience. Anybody whose story that I have heard, not judging becomes easy. When you understand how somebody gets to a decision they've made and you get to the point, like you were sharing with Tammy, when you get to, when you get to the point of, oh, well, that actually just makes sense. Now you've listened long enough to actually hear and understand where someone was potentially, or at least get closer to where they were in that moment. In the absence of that, yeah, we can ju- we, we, we can determine I would feel shame. If I'm saying to myself, I would feel shame if I had made that decision, that just means I don't have the context to rationalize it in the same way that that person did. So I need more information. Because if I knew enough, I actually think I wouldn't feel shame. I'd feel compassion because chances are, are very good, right? That that, that 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 was rationalized every step until the point where they did the irrational thing, but from a place where it, it was the one thing that made sense. And ultimately, at the end of the day, this entire conversation is why this work matters. Because I can't change your story. I can't change the story that you project onto me. All I can do is change my own story and to step into a story that feels empowering, that feels kinder, that feels... um, that is a story I can own and shed the other parts. I can't change whatever layers of my story happen to be there because of a parent or a bully on the playground or a teacher that I could never please. I can't do anything about that other than create a narrative around it that supports me moving through life. 
And I think at its core, that's why we love this so much. And especially given the state of the world right now, right? We're so busy projecting outward. If we all stopped for a moment, like truly just stopped and paused and took the time to be like, what is my story that I'm bringing to the table? And what is that doing to impact the world? Then I think we would have a ripple effect that would enable all of us to sit the way we're sitting right now and having a discussion, a dialogue versus fighting and needing to be right instead of being happy. Well, and I think there's, you know, I love talking to people and doing things like this because my story that I choose to believe, and this is based on years of traveling the world too, is that, you know, most people in society, they put certain people up on a pedestal celebrities, other people like that, right? Athletes. And a lot of them are kind of are kind of cool, have some cool stories. But what I find is the ordinary people or who the world thinks are ordinary are actually the most fascinating people in the world and have some of the coolest stories, right? So I've hung out in front of, you know, hotels literally all over the world and just chatted up and met met people you know on buses and other stuff because i'll talk to people too and and i will tell you that ordinary people have some of the most extraordinary stories to share but we don't share our stories because so much of the time we think oh it's just me little old jason i'm nobody (laughs) right when i've actually experienced some pretty cool things over my life Right. And I think everybody is that way. And so I want to segue into into the course, because, again, as I'm going through this um, and kind of, Jen, what you were what you were talking about there, too, is learning how to tell a story and bringing our own stories out of ourselves is actually healing as well. And like you said, the world needs healing. And, you know, I, I remember w- within the course, I, I can't remember the man's name, but he, it was one of the TED Talks where he was, he was talking about his dad, you know, and Corey's like, yeah, I know which one, right? Where, where you know, banker. the banker, you know, yeah. Cripple Joe versus Banker Joe. Yeah. Great, great story, right? Okay. So, so maybe, you know, again, you, you guys know it better. I watched it one time, but maybe just, just give a little background on that because I think it, it, it kind of shows how stories can be healing too it's called um, a storytelling tra- storytelling transforms the storyteller and the 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 premise of it is is that uh, uh by by telling his story differently over time right this this young man changes his relationship to a moment that was destined to define him and his initial story is that it was it was destined to define him in a very negative way, and and he finds a new frame for it over time, uh, and and ultimately walks away seeing it as a gift, right? This this moment that most people would not define as as a gift in our lives, um, and it truly I think is such a beautiful beautiful demonstration of how. Um, changing our relationship to our narrative, whatever we're telling ourselves about our life can have a monumental impact on 
how we do everything moving forward. It's like, we spend so much of our time dealing with, I think, I think cosmetic issues in life, symptom related stuff. And at its essence, retelling our narrative, revising the story that we tell ourselves is one of the things that can have the largest impact on the trajectory of our life. Some of the deepest work that we can do. And it's hard. It's really hard. Well, it is. And, you know, in, in that story, it, you know, the, the mother, you know, cause again, this boy, he was, he was little, he was I don't know, five, six, but his mother was the one that kept forcing him to tell the story over and over again, but in a slightly different way. And as I was sitting there, you know, and, and over time he was healing himself. And as I'm sitting there watching that again, I'm going, I know what you guys are up to behind this course. Really? <laughs> right. I know you got the, the little big, eyebrows going there. It's right? a big it's like, magic ah, I know your evil plan. <laughs> <laughs> because it is right. So many of us are limited uh, or or view the world in a certain way because of the limiting stories that we choose to believe about our past, about what we think the future may be, but we're the one writing the story. The, the right? reason the the reason that I think the reason that I love the course like with every ounce of who I am um, is because it, I, I it's been proven to me over time that we can't think our way into a new story. Like intellectually, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. We try to control things in ways that get weird and uh, right and, and, and become extremely inauthentic. And so for the past, you know, since we started this company 16 years ago, I've been creating experiences for people where they don't know what's happening until they get to the end and can't stop it. So they can't intellectually get in their own way. And the course, like even, even though you can watch that storytelling transforms the storyteller and know what we're up to, you don't know exactly how it's gonna happen to you and you won't really put the pieces together until you're already there. And that is, I think it's so, it's fun, it's exciting. It's, um, it, it does, it has a magical, quality to it um because it is it's almost like an illusion right we're guiding you through pulling out these pieces from your life in a way that you don't know what's going to happen to them you don't know what we're going to do like you, right now you're you're in this in the journaling stage right mm -hmm. like no i don't know what's coming but i'm looking for <laughs> no. you don't know but but you, you know you're doing a lot of the hard work right now but you don't know like what's going to be part of the story what's not how and and all this subconscious stuff is coming out of you right now that later you're going to be able to see from a completely different lens and go holy smokes it's all right there like look at this trail of breadcrumbs about how i've become who i am today but you you don't know exactly what's happening while it's it's happening and that's i mean how many we don't get a lot of that in life either like where we trust right somebody to lead us down a path where we don't know what the outcome is. We don't do that very often. We do that like, that's a show. That's a, that's a magic trick. That's right. That's, that's something that we, we do for entertainment, but this is, we're kind of taking that principle and using it for how you think about yourself as a human being and the story that you use to invite other people into the magic of who you are. 
right? And that requires magic. If you want magic coming out, you need magic going in. And you do have to invite others in because part of the course is to share that with your class. And a huge part of the transformative experience is in the act of sharing it. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, again, I've, I've been in the training education space for a long time and, and what, you know, experiential learning, right? Because knowledge and learning are two different things. You can read a book, you can get a bunch of knowledge, but you never actually learn it until you've gone through it, until you've shared it, until you've pondered on it, until you've done exercises, until you've done things like share a story, right, that, as a culmination. And so, you know, what you're putting together is actually helping people learn. And really on a meta level, you're using the hero's journey as, you know, the course somewhat being the guide to help you work through your own hero's journey at a meta level. And so again, a lot of people listening might be like, what the fuck were you just talking about? <laughs> Don't worry, take the course or learn a little bit more about the hero's journey. You'll understand that, but it is actually pretty meta uh, too. So it's, it's wink, a, wink, I, nudge, I, nudge. I, I caught, caught that. I caught that. I love that. Right. It's, <laughs> I, I love it. It's a hero's journey within a hero's journey within a hero's journey. You're studying the hero's like. journey. It's super <laughs> You're studying the hero's journey while you are pulling out from your own life what your hero's journey has been while you are going on a hero's, hero's journey, journey in this moment where yeah. the ordeal becomes facing the story that wants to be told. And most people have a moment of sincere panic where they have to go to that innermost cave beforehand and be like, how am I going to contend with this? What are people going to think about me if I tell them this? version of my story that is it's true and but it's like it's more than people can handle and there's all this oh consternation and oh my gosh so much are, angst <laughs> but they but they make the decision they decide what they're going to share and then they're met with the most gorgeous effervescent love when they do it and you can watch people heal in real time from stuff they've carried with them for most, if not all of their lives, that suddenly doesn't seem so heavy and just gets, they just get to leave it right there if they want to, after they've told that story and, and be free from it. It's, 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 it's a blessing to be a part of. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, that kind of segues into to where I wanted, you know, as we got to kind of wrap up here over the next, how dare you, you sir? Know, few, I know I would go forever. <laughs> I would go forever. Ever. <laughs> <clears throat> but I think because this kind of ties into what we've just been talking about here, too, is that I see, you know, one thing I try to talk to people about is being more authentic, because I think so much of the time, so many people are afraid to just be who they are because they they fear that rejection. They fear the judgment from other people. And so, you know, but but going through and, in, in, you know, not only in the course, but I'm sure in other work that you have done as well. Do people need to be afraid? Do they need to be hiding behind the masks? Or is it okay? <laughs> and when you let go, you find out that the world is much, much different than you thought it was. 
Well, I, I, I will, I will <laughs> leap into that deep end with you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Let's start paddling, Dougie, Dougie paddle, Dougie paddle. <laughs> um, I, I think we, we, we never stop. Uh, we can never shed that entirely. Like there will always be aspects of our authenticity that I think we fear showing one another. Like, because there's just so many layers of it. As soon as we get to one layer of truth, another one will make itself slightly appear apparent, in, you know, in, in our periphery. And, and then, oh crap, we got another, we got more work to do. Um, I think it's, I think you asked the question of, of, I heard it as does it does it serve us to be afraid and I think it's a worthy question I think I think we we are we are physically feeling um, a warning in something and we get value from that warning sometimes though the value that we get from that is validating a belief but not necessarily a truth Right. So our gut says, do not share that. And we say, well, I trust my gut. I have a great instinct. But well, what if that what if I'm misreading my gut? And that's that's my fear. <laughs> it's actually not my gut. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so so I, I think we misinterpret that frequently. But my point being, when we when we when we have that uh, that kind of fear messaging of the world can't handle this. It is a fair warning that's saying, be thoughtful, be careful, because if you're, if you don't reveal this in a way where it can be heard without judgment, that has the potential to create some very serious scar tissue. And you may never try to reveal that again. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's when something like our three agreements, I think is particularly relevant because you can increase the odds of having a successful, vulnerable experience simply by before you just, before I just vomit my vulnerability on you, it'd be a great idea for me to check in and say, hey, I'd love to, I have something I'd really like to share with you, but it's kind of vulnerable for me to do so. Do you have the ability to be present with me for 10 or 15 minutes? So first off, you can say, actually, like I'm waiting on a call from the hospital. My, my parent is, you know, like, so no, this actually isn't a great time. And then I can say, oh, thank you so much for letting me know. Like, can we set up a time that this would be when I can actually share this and you'd be present? So again, heightening the odds. If I don't ask that question and I just start divulging that and your phone call comes in and you start looking at your phone, what's the story I'm probably telling myself? I guarantee it's not, oh, I'll bet he's got someone in the hospital and he needs to take, you know, like, you know, it probably starts with Facebook and a notification. Like, it's not nice. Right? <laughs> like, we don't go to the most generous places traditionally. So simply setting up the circumstance and even to say to you, you know, by the way, I, when what I'm going to share, please don't feel any responsibility to solve this for me. I just, I, it's important for me to share it and for you to just hear it. Now we're setting up like a situation, right? Where we can have um, a, a strong positive outcome because that scar tissue is real. So I think the fear that we're hearing is the warning of be tender with this, be thoughtful about how it's presented. but. Uh, but we also have to acknowledge that there is value that we get from our fear. There's something, right? Like th there, there can be a soothing, you, since from the moment we're born as human beings, somebody else provides our comfort typically for a period. And then we have to learn how to soothe ourselves. We spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out how to soothe ourselves. 
Jen just raised her hand. That is the most. <laughs> like Corey, shut up! It's time for her to talk. I, I think if you're moved to jump in and just tell me shut up, it's adorable. I jump in, please go for it. No, but what's so interesting is um, I love what you just said, Corey. And as I heard Jason's question, a completely opposite response came up for me. Oh. In the sense that, so Corey took it down the direction of how would, how would that vulnerability feel for other people? And my gut instinct was, do we need to hide it from ourselves, right? Like, am I capable of knowing this side of me? And it makes me think of this, this one particular story. I used to work in the fine arts for six years before I had my my son my first um, my first child and there was this woman who worked with us and same age as I was and she every day looked like she walked out of a Vogue magazine and everything about her was radiant and eloquent and refined from everything she said to the way she looked to the way she walked down the hallway everything her nail polish every day was a different color that perfectly matched her outfit. And she was an incredibly kind person. And she just took up beautiful space in the room. And one day she just stopped coming to work. She just never came back. And I ran into her one day while I was out for lunch. And I said hi to her. And she explained to me that she just went home one day and just couldn't do it anymore. That the more perfect she tried to be, the more insecure she started mm. to feel. And it had never occurred to me once in all the time that I had known her, that she was putting so much effort into putting forth this image so she wouldn't have to look at what was underneath. And that wasn't her feeling afraid of what the rest of us would think. That was her afraid of meeting this person beneath the perfectly coordinated nail polish and outfits. And when I ran into her months later, she was equally radiant and elegant and refined, but so much more real this time. And you could feel it energetically in her. And so when I heard your question, Jason, the first thought that came to mind from you is that that mask that we wear will get shattered at some point in time. It can either happen on our terms or it can happen on the world's terms. One way or the other, though, it will be done forcefully or we can make the choice to slowly peel it apart and take a look at it bit by bit. And it is scary. I won't like presume to say that looking at our shadow sides or our insecurities or our imperfections or our judgments or whatever it is, that that's an easy thing to do, but it's a valuable and worthwhile thing yeah. to do. Well, and because I've, you know, I've gone through different exercises, you know, one that was actually, it was called like a mask exercise where you kind of like you know write down you put put some demographics and some information about things that you're you're afraid of and then you pass the cards around the room and and just how amazing the things that I put on my card 
you know, I get some card female, 20 years older, almost exactly the same thing that I wrote down on my card. Right. When you, when we think about, we made reference to the me too movement, you know, and how many, how many women for so long, you know, had, had been, you know, sexually assaulted or raped or other things like that. They felt the shame. They didn't want to share with anybody else. But when the first person starts to share, then it's like, it's okay to, to take off the mask. There's lots of other people out there just like me. Right. I mean, I, I met up with some friends from high school. Uh, we hadn't seen each other for decades and we're talking and all four of us infidelity in the marriage and divorce. It's like four out of four people. <laughs> right. And, and again, it's not scientific, but but just how much of the things that maybe we're embarrassed about. We don't have a need to be embarrassed about when you realize that there's so many other people exactly like us, but everybody in the room is embarrassed to let anybody else know until the first person goes. And then it's like, whoa, me too. Me too. There's an aspect of uh, this, all this work really is about relieving personal suffering. Mm -hmm. Really. Right, like it weighs it weighs us down. It, it takes a, a huge amount of of our energy, and and a lot of it's as you're referring to. A lot of it's unnecessary. It's, I think one of the reasons that we that we call our students heroes within the course um, is is comes from Jen. What you were sharing of this mask is going to be shattered when we do it on our turn. When we do it with intentionality, it's particularly brave. Right, we can do it reactively when, you know, if, if the call to adventure, we talk about the call to adventure, it starts with a whisper and it ends with a two by four. Like, <laughs> right? If you don't, if you don't pay attention, eventually it's going to hit you smack across the face, break your nose. Um, so when we, when we, when we wait for it, and then we react, well, then the world gets to say, well, of course, you know, you're the victim of that two by four. But when we wielded ourselves at ourselves, that's a particular kind of heroism. So I think any, anybody who is willing to step into the fire without having to, which is anyone who's revising their story out of their own pure desire to do it, not because they've been forced to by, you know, by a huge change in life, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of sense of identity, divorce, like all of those moments require it. But when those don't exist and we do it anyway, that's pretty damned heroic. That's the real courage, right? I mean, I don't want to diminish the courage of having to do it when it's forced upon us either. Like that's its own particular kind of courage. I just want to acknowledge when we don't have to and we still do, that's, that really captures my interest. Good stuff. And as always, I know I, lo I love to rub my hands together. That's one of those little videos. I've been doing it for half an hour. Like when I, <laughs> when I get excited, I'm like, Ooh, here we go. All right. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, we got, we, we got to wrap up for today, but my goodness, thank you, Corey and Jen for, for coming on here and talking about this. This is, um, I think you kind of wrapped up well, that it, it really, all of the stuff that you guys are doing is helping to relieve suffering and enough people are suffering out in the world whatever we can do to try to reduce that again 
suffering within ourselves or also suffering of other people, um, the better this world can be, right? We can, we can all live happy, sing Kumbaya, love each other, give hugs. I'm all about that stuff anyway. But you're uh, highlighting for me that, that, that there's something natural that happens. I'll just say this real quick of when, when we, when we remove some of the suffering from the equation, I think the container gets, it does get filled with more love. It's just it the inherent natural tendencies gets replaced with love. It has to get replaced with something. And when you're doing it with love, that's, what's going to fill the void. And well, who, couldn't, that, then. who couldn't use a little bit more love in their life, right? All you need is love. Bum, ba -da -da -da. Right, the Beatles had it right, you know, and that was 60 years ago. <laughs> All right, well, so uh, I know we, we we talked a little bit about the course as well. So for people that are listening and want to get into it, how's the best place for them? Go out direct to the, the website or how, how's the best way for them to learn more information about that? Yeah, they can they can find round, uh, roundtablecompanies.com. It's companies with an IES is where to find us. The Academy has its own page for all of our educational content, and they can learn a bunch more through there. Jen's our community director, so she she's leading up community for Roundtable Storytelling Academy, and we, we love to share it. We'd love for people to take a look. Yeah, we have a course starting um, with Corey. He's doing evening classes, and there's a course starting with me May 3rd that I'll be doing afternoon calls with the the group and we are always looking to add more heroes to the family cool very very cool and we'll make sure and put that information in the show notes as well so thank again you, Corey, jan thank, thank you. you for coming on today it's um, been a blast thank you this is really well, soul-filling stuff well good i'm glad because it was for me um as well and i know for everybody that did listen um it was as well so again this is one of those you might want to go back and listen to again because there's <laughs> We were talking about a lot more than what you probably caught on the surface <laughs> level to begin with. The Inception thank you for podcast. listening, internet. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you guys. And I'm sure we'll have to have you back because I had a great time as well. So we'd love it anytime. Thanks, thank Jason. You. Thanks. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. The fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too. Do me a favor and leave a five-star review with comments and then share with others. You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.